Nishma Sibah Wabamah 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
draw 
jam in the AM. Yeah, we pulled out a couple of oldies from the king himself, Mordechai Ben David. That's Proke before that Shlomo Katz and Everlasting Love. Uviom, Mordechai Ben David, another classic from the king. Hashem will always love you. That's Yoli Weiss, Arla Samet with Modim. You heard Mim Komcha, brand new Micha Gammerman off Shire Pinchas. Pinchas Wolf off Shire Pinchas, volume five with Shalom Aleichem. And of course, Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday. It's the 27th of January, day five in the month of Shvat, the year 5783. Tufshin Pei Gimel. It's the 27th of January. On the 27th of March, 10 months ago, our New York City studio burnt down. Those of you who saw my Facebook post this morning, now you see that 10 months later, thank God, there is life in our New York City studio. It is about to be completed. Not that it's ever completed. It's always a work in progress, frankly. It took 22 years for it to be a work in progress the first time. Um, but uh, in terms of our um, operating from our New York City studio, uh, yesterday was a very, very big step. Those of you who haven't seen the photo yet, go to uh, Facebook.com, my profile, Nahum Siegel, and you will see. Last night from the street, across the street, on Grand Street in Manhattan, uh, there is life in the New York City studio. And um, Baruch Hashem is all I could say. And a big thank you, a big thank you to our friends, our donors, our supporters, our encouragers, those who have been with us for 40 years um, for getting us to this point. We are going to complete our uh, New York City studio, and then complete, please God, our uh, New Jersey studio. And then, as Rabbi Fast wrote to me this morning, then it'll be on, please God, to our uh, Jerusalem studio. As uh, you, because of your generosity and your encouragement, you have been able to get us to this point where we literally have become a global entity, not just virtually, not just online, not just through the spoken word and music and presentations that we have on a daily basis. That that we have proven we are already a global entity. Uh, but now we will be a physical global entity with multiple studios. But to have made, to have gotten to this point in New York after the disaster of last year, of 10 months ago, and gotten to this point where um, now from the outside the studio looks the way it does is just amazing. And what a great feeling. And I can't thank all of you enough as we continue to build and grow even as we get older and older. Um, yesterday, by the way, yesterday was a big day. Yesterday was a big day because in addition to the studio news, yesterday we filmed the Kosher Halftime Show. Very, very different kosher halftime show for the 10th kosher halftime show. Very, very different. Um, oh, very, very different. Kosher halftime show this year is going to be the long-awaited, much-anticipated conversation that I uh, conducted yesterday with Yerachmiel Begun, the leader of the Miami Boys Choir. The entire world has wanted to hear from him since the viral episode on TikTok 
of the Yerushalayim song and many other songs from the Miami Boys Choir. That happened back around September. He has essentially turned down any full-length interview request until yesterday when he decided that he would sit down with me and give us the Nahum Siegel Network the exclusive. And there will be no conversations between now and February the 12th. I got his assure, I got his um, guarantee uh, on that. And uh, it's very exciting. February the 12th, halftime, we will quote-unquote drop the video and present Kosher Halftime Show 2023, presented by the Rothenberg Law Firm at uh, InjuryLawyer.com. And boy, oh boy, this is exciting. He has a lot of very interesting insights. Those of you who are, you know, from this crowd, really appreciate, you know, uh, in-depth conversation about Jewish music and about your favorite artists. You will love it. There's a lot of good tidbits in there. Uh, and those of you who are the casual Jewish music aficionado or somebody who may have discovered Miami because of TikTok... I think you'll find a lot of the conversation very interesting. So that's happening February the 12th. A couple of big things going on. I honestly, with the um, the difficulties of the, of the era, of the period of time after the fire, it was, a, um, it, it was hard for me and for many others to be convinced that we'd be able to get to this point. But boy, oh boy, thank God with the help of the one above and with the incredible support and encouragement of all of you, we have, in fact, gotten to this point. So thank you. And um, I really can't thank you enough. That's the truth. It is Erev Shabbos Parsha's bow with the candle lighting time at 447 in New York, 447. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Um, Malcolm Holmline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us an hour from now for the weekly update. Rabbi Yudin, Harry Rothenberg on Parsha's Bow, both coming up. Full schedule here at the Nahum Siegel Network, as you would suspect. Fridays, after all, are extremely exciting, to say the least. Table for two <clears throat> will feature Naomi Nachman, uh, presenting the program from the Ritz-Carlton in Bahrain with Ambassador Huda Nunu, Carolina Campita, Associate Director of PR and Marketing for the Ritz, and Ariella Steinreich, Senior Vice President of Steinreich Communications. They are all guests of Naomi Nachman in the 9 o'clock hour this morning here at the Nachum Siegel Network. The Erev Shabbos Show, Erev Shabbos Music Mix, and Final Hour, all brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, all curated and hosted by the amazing Mark Zamek. That starts at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Saturday Night Siegel tomorrow night with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Uh, JM Sunday, Matis on Sunday morning will feature an interview with Hasidic hipster. I hope I have this right. Hasidic hipster. You know what? I have Now I have to look up the, the pronunciation. Hang on a second. <laughs> I got to look up the pronunciation. I have to ask. Uh, I have to ask um, Avrami to toss in pronunciations, whatever, <laughs> into the schedule. Whenever he realizes that there's no way I'm going to get it right. Um, didn't I see that Matis had sent? Wow, now I'm really confused. I thought he had sent the information with with the pronunciation. 
I gotta find it. Uh, anyway, uh, Matis has a very special guest who he'll be speaking to in the eight o'clock hour this coming Sunday. So make sure to be tuned into JM Sunday here at uh, the Nahum Siegel Network. Um, and and you'll be able to hear that. Th- this is, uh, let me see here. I don't have the pronunciation here, but it's Hasidic hipster, Hasidic hipster girl, Sarah Gig. Is that it? I think it's Gig. Uh, G-U-I-G-U-E. She will be Matis' guest on Sunday morning here at the Nahum Siegel Network. It's Friday, again, 447 candlelighting time in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Much appreciated, of course. Uh, this is the um, this is one of the songs from Gershon Veroba that we can't get enough from or enough of from the man-to-man 40th anniversary digital remastered edition. Here it is at JM in the AM. Oh, we wish I'd go my territory, 
J.M. in the A.M. Yedidim Choir with Keladon and Good Shabbos before that. Shirei Pinchas, volume number five, is brand new here at J.M. in the A.M. Gershon Verobo with Mimkomcha and Lachadodi. Friday morning broadcast, J.M. in the A.M. 
Yesterday, we had the opportunity to speak, speak to Roy and Leah Newberger, and boy, oh boy, was that a conversation. The brand-new book is written by Nachman Seltzer. It's called From Sinai to Yerushalayim. From Sinai to Yerushalayim. Highly recommending it, as we said yesterday. Uh, go to artscroll.com. Make sure to use promo code radio for your free shipping and major discount. Again, artscroll.com, free shipping, major discount. Go to artscroll.com and... Um, and again, if you missed the conversation yesterday with Roy and Leah Newberger, check out the archive. Check out the archive. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Enjoy a 10% discount on all Abel's and Hyman products at kosherdogs.net with promo code radio. A&H has been serving the kosher world since 1954, and A&H products are available at Better Kosher Supermarkets Nationwide. Try A&H today. During the, uh, during the Holocaust, the Nazis endeavored to obliterate the identity of each and every Jew. Since the 1950s, Yad Vashem has endeavored to gather the names of the six million Jews murdered in the Holocaust so that they'll be remembered forever. Yad Vashem's Book of Names is the unique result of meticulous and painstaking work that commemorates 4.8 million men, women, and children whose details have been gathered and uncovered over the years. Every name, date of birth, hometown, and place of death is clearly printed and illuminated by a gentle beam of light that shines from between the pages. The monumental size of the book attests to the immeasurable and inconceivable loss to the Jewish people and to all of humanity. The Book of Names will be on display at the UN from now until February the 17th. Entrance is free Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. Yad Vashem's Book of Names, uh, the central database of Shoah victims' names is available online, yadvashem.org. For more information, yadvashem.org. Golly, it's on the background to our news from Israel coming up here at JM in the AM. Galit Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next. Boker Tov from JM in the AM. הקטל בדרכים הולך רגל בן 45 במצב אנוש לאחר שנפגע ממסעית ברחוב הקוממיות בבת ים. חופשים ופרמדיקים של מגן דוד אדום העבירו אותו לבית החולים וולפסון בחולון כשהוא מחוסר הכרה תוך כדי פעולות החייאה. הירי מעזה, ראש האופוזיציה יאיר לפיד אומר כי ירי עטילי מהרצועה אמש הוא תוצאה מחולשת הממשלה. הירי לא נבע ממספר הארוגים בג'נין, בתקופה שלנו חוסלו יותר מחבלים ביהודה ושומרון מאשר בכל שנה משנות נתניהו, אלא מפני שאויבינו מזהים שיש מולם ממשלה מבולגנת בחלשה, בלי מדיניות ברורה, כתב לפיד, מדבריו הביא כתב התחום הפוליטי שחר גליק. הרפורמה המשפטית, ראש הממשלה בנימין נתניהו אמר במפגש עם אנשי עסקים בכירים כי המשפטיזציה בישראל היא הגרועה בעולם המערבי. הרמת המגף הבירוקרטי משפטי תזניק את הכלכלה הישראלית כמו קפיץ. כתבנו המדיני עניר קוזין מוסר כי נתניהו הוסיף, עצמאות בית המשפט תישמר במערכת של איזונים ובלמים שקיימים בכל המדינות. לא רק שהרפורמה לא תפגע בכלכלה, היא תזניק אותה. כך נתניהו. גבר בן 54 נורא ונפצע בידו ביישוב לקיה שבנגב בנסיבות הנחקרות עתה. צוות מגן דוד אדום העביר אותו במצב בינוני למרכז הרפואי סורוקה בבאר שבע. ידיעה שהעביר כתבנו בדרום רמי שני. טניס מאליפות אוסטרליה הפתוחה, נובק ג'וקוביץ' וסטפנוס ציציפס ייפגשו בגמר הגברים הראשון, בראשון הקרוב. 
ג'וקוביש המדורג רביעי בתחרות, גבר על טומי פול האמריקני בשלוש מערכות והעפיל לגמר בפעם העשירית בקריירה. מוקדם יותר, ציצי פס, המדורג שלישי בטורניר, גבר על קארן חדשנוב הרוסי בארבע מערכות. כתב חדשות הספורט, יונתן גריל מוסיף כי מחר יארך גמר הנשים בין סבלנקה הבלרוסית המדורגת חמישית בתחרות, לבין ריבקינה הקזחית אלופת ווימבלדון. אלה זמני כניסת השבת, פרשת בו בירושלים ב-4.28, בתל אביב ב-4.50, בחיפה ב-4.37, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת תשע דקות לפני חמש, ואלה זמני צאת השבת מחר בירושלים ב-5.47, בתל אביב ב-5.48, בחיפה ב-5.46, ובבאר שבע תצא השבת מחר ב-5.49. לכל מאזיננו, שבת שלום. כן, לפני כן מזג האוויר, נכון? עלייה ניכרת בטמפרטורות בעיקר במישור החוף ובשפלה והן גבוהות מהרגיל לעונה. לכל מאזיננו שבת שלום, אלה החדשות.
J.M. in the A.M. with Yisrael Batach Bashem done by uh, Shmuley Hurwitz. That's a brand new one here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, before that, Eitan Katz and Shalom Aleichem. That's a um, that's a song that goes back to the Eish Kodesh album from many, many years ago that we have been playing a lot, <laughs> to say the least, over the last couple of days, ever since we rediscovered it. It was a big part of our throwback Thursday yesterday, that's for sure. Uh, so I'm about to introduce uh, Harry Rothenberg with his words regarding Parsha's bow. A good time to thank our friends at uh, the Rothenberg Law Firm, InjuryLawyer.com. Um, many of you, I mean, many of you guessed this, which, you know, call a vote to those of you who are, you know, on top of these things. Uh, yesterday... The question has been, what did you guess? The question has been, who will be featured in the Kosher Halftime Show, the 10th annual Kosher Halftime Show this coming uh, February the 12th during halftime of the big game. And um, many people had guessed and had assumed that we were going to pursue a specific interview, a, a specific guest in a long-awaited, much-anticipated conversation. And sure enough, yesterday, we filmed the conversation between me and Yerachmiel Begun, the leader of the Miami Boys Choir, who has not said a word publicly, certainly not in any full-length interview, about the uh, viral nature of the whole TikTok sensation that Miami has been enjoying since September. So yesterday, we got together. Uh, the, uh, the raw footage has been, uh, has been recorded We'll do some editing, toss in some interesting things and uh, to the production, and uh, that's what you will see and hear on February the 12th. Uh, it'll be your Achmiel begun in an exclusive interview with us here at the Nachum Siegel Network about this entire experience. Those of you who are um, Jew re major Jewish music fans, really invested in this whole industry, you're going to find it fascinating. And I think anybody out there who has any curiosity regarding this whole thing that's happened since September, you will find it interesting. So a big thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm. They present our Kosher Halftime Show 2023 coming up on the 12th of February. And we appreciate that very, very much. It was a big day yesterday. We, uh, we did the recording for the Kosher Halftime Show. Those of you who saw my Facebook post, you saw that there is life in our New York City location, exactly 10 months after the fire. Fire was 27th of March, and our studio burnt down in New York. And last night, I took a photo from across the street at what the uh, studio looks like to the passerby at this point, and it's very exciting. So if you saw the picture, you know exactly what I mean. So um, because of you, 
and your friendship, your support, your encouragement, and you being by my side for 40 years, we're able to get to this point. And our global entity, which has become a strong reality virtually, uh, it's amazing how many people are reaching around the world, thank God. This global entity is now physically taking on uh, that same type of, uh, of situation with our New York City studio almost completed, our New Jersey studio in, in a tremendous uh, state right now. Just going to get better and better once we finish New York. And, of course, as Rabbi Fast reminded me this morning, our Jerusalem studio, uh, hopefully soon to become a permanent one as well. So this, this uh, aftermath of the terrible tragedy, which it was, in March has been a um, has led to many many wonderful blessings, many many wonderful blessings, all being done and happening with you, our generous listeners and supporters at our side, and we cannot thank you enough. Uh, I'm going to ask everybody as we uh, as we go ahead and um, and uh, present Harry Rothenberg on the subject of Parsha's bow. I will ask you to please keep in mind our very dear friend who is in need of a Rafur Shlema. And that is Ruchama Chana Etel Bas Chava. Ruchama Chana Etel Bas Chana. And we will dedicate Harry Rothenberg's words for a Rafur Shlema for her as we continue on a Friday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM. Moshe goes into the palace to warn Pharaoh, Paro, about the eighth plague, locusts. And when he's done the warning, we're told that Moshe turned and then he left. The Torah never uses an unnecessary word. So why do we have to be told that Moshe turned and then he left? There are different explanations. Some say that he was turning meaningfully towards Paro's ministers to sort of urge them to speak to him before it's too late. And it worked, because right after he left, they did speak to Par, and they said, let them go already, enough, and these plagues. Well, one commentator says, I can tell you with certainty what it doesn't mean. It does not mean that Moshe turned on his heels and walked out disrespectfully. How do I know that? Because God had previously told Moshe, do not act disrespectfully to Paro. Show him respect, which begs the question, why did Moshe have to show respect to that monster? Paro, who was brutally enslaving the Jews and killing many of them. The answer, according to this commentator, is that Paro was the king, which means that God had allowed him to take that throne. He was, in a sense, God's representative. God had told Abraham years before, your descendants are going to be slaves. And so Paro was carrying out that decree. Yes, he was going overboard with it, but God was the one who allowed him to take that throne. So by showing respect to Paro, Moshe was, in a sense, showing respect to God. So you'll think that's a one-off because of that specific decree that the Jews had to be enslaved, but it's not. Listen to this story. I overheard a conversation not long ago. Two people were talking and one of them said something derogatory about the sitting president of the United States of America. I honestly don't remember whether it was the current one or the prior one. So whichever one you don't like, assume it was that one. There happened to be a rabbi there and so he stepped in, interrupted them and said, excuse me, Please don't ever speak about the president in that fashion. And the guy doubled down. He said, why not? He is, and repeated the derogatory phrase. And the rabbi said, excuse me, I'm begging you, don't speak about the president of the United States in that fashion. The guy said, why not? He said, because he's the most powerful person in the world. He's the leader of the free world, and nobody gains that position without God's imprimatur. 
The gravity of that position demands respect. So whether you like the president or dislike the president, be careful. You have to show respect. All hail the chief. Shit, I'm so 
Michael is the fate of all mankind. No one can avoid the bustle and the grind. Rushing to meetings, closing the deal. On the phone, on the road, buying, selling, spinning wheels. It's easy to lose balance, chasing money and success. But there's a special treasure with which we have been blessed. And as each day passes, joy fills the air. Waiting for the moment to stand up and declare. Baruch Hashem, Days every week We work hard and struggle Just to make ends meet But once out of seven We all become kings Who greet Shabbos Amalco By rising up to sing When I hear the boss, I jump To shop or go to school I'm always parking by a pump But all of the worry Goes down the drain When my wife and children join me In singing the refrain Play. 
for those we love. And there's one more plus. Our parents spend more time with us.
J.M. in the A.M. Yair Rosenberg with Menucha Vesimcha. His curry bone before that. Journeys with Baruch Hashem at Shabbos. You heard Yaakov Shweki with Baruch Hashem at Shabbos. And here we are on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos at J.M. in the A.M. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Bo. Candle lighting 447 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, 447 here in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Happy birthday, Sandy Rosenwasser. Sandy Rosenwasser celebrating a birthday. We say happy birthday from all of us here at JM in the AM. Malcolm Holine coming up, Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations here at uh, JM in the AM. Uh, Matis speaks with... Um, Sarah Gig, known as the Hasidic Hipster Girl on social media. She is Matis's guest this coming Sunday on JM Sunday. Again, Sarah Gig, uh, known as the Hasidic Hipster Girl, is Matis's guest this coming Sunday on JM Sunday. JM Sunday begins at 7 a.m. Eastern time right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. So make sure to be tuned in. Um, also, we have a full schedule today, as you know. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it'll be Naomi Nachman with Table for Two. She'll be broadcasting from the Ritz-Carlton in Bahrain with Ambassador Hodununu, Carolina Campila, Associate Director of PR and Marketing for the Ritz, and Ariella Steinreich, Senior Vice President of Steinreich Communications, all coming up at 9 o'clock. 10 a.m., the Arab Shabbos Show. Then the Arab Shabbos music mix in the final hour, all brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, hosted by Mark Zamek. Uh, so, as we always say, when it comes to the end of the week, there's absolutely no reason to touch that dial. Make sure you, make sure you um, keep it here at the Malcolm Single Network all day long. Malcolm, home line and more coming up if you keep it here at JM in the AM. <laughs>
Moshe Storch and Yehuda Solomon together with that one called Curry Bone here at JM in the AM. Well, as I mentioned earlier yesterday, our uh, Kosher Halftime Show 2023 was filmed. It is the exclusive conversation, really first time ever. He's done zero uh, interviews uh, with Yerachmiel Begun. Our conversation with Yerachmiel Begun regarding the uh, viral nature of the whole TikTok sensation with the Miami Boys Choir. So we uh, recorded that yesterday. It'll be released on the uh, 12th of February, of course, at halftime. Big thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm, InjuryLawyer.com. And the more details coming up, obviously, as we get closer and closer to Kosher Halftime Show 2023. Also, as I mentioned yesterday, a significant day for us, our global entity, which has been uh, well-established virtually, digitally around the world. I mentioned that the um, number of people checking in from places outside of New York and New Jersey is just, thank God, continuing to be off the charts especially Israel, our listenership there has grown like crazy over the last year or two. Um, but now, thank God, physically, uh, we are going to be an international entity because of you and your friendship and your generosity and your support after the fire of exactly 10 months ago. Uh, yesterday, as some of you saw on Facebook, um, a significant development. True life has come to our New York City facility. Uh, you could see the picture on Facebook. Uh, from the street on Grand Street in New York City, and I thank all of you. And as we uh, finish up the rebuild in New York and continue the uh, build of our uh, New Jersey studio, and as Rabbi Fast reminded me, as we continue the build of our Jerusalem studio, we are becoming an international entity physically, uh, a global entity, and all because of you and your generosity and your support and being by my side for the last 40 years. So a big thank you to everybody Big day yesterday, and actually, again, today's the 27th. The fire was on the 27th of March, so 10 months later, thank God, we've gotten to this point. Frankly, if you would have told me this a few months ago, I never would have believed it, but Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, we are at 
this point. And again, a great appreciation to all of our listeners. Uh, JM and the AM on a Friday morning. Don't forget our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. Again, JewishWorldReview.com. If you want thousands of articles to print out before Shabbos to uh, update yourselves regarding what's happening in this interesting world of ours, go to JewishWorldReview.com and uh, enjoy. A lot of offerings over there. By the way, uh, as I introduce Malcolm, Malcolm has always encouraged us to be active when it comes to... um, when it comes to standing up for what's right in our community and even outside our community. I remind everybody that we have an opportunity to stand up. Matthew Marr and Christopher Brown were arrested November 18th at Penn Station in Manhattan for planning a possible imminent attack on an unnamed synagogue. Uh, Marr's charged with weapons possession. Brown with making terrorist threats and weapons possession. Uh, if you are worried about the rising incidents of anti-Semitism, here's something simple and concrete that we could do. Show up as a concerned member of the Jewish community and as a concerned New Yorker at the pair's next hearing, which is this coming Tuesday, 9 a.m., January the 31st, 9 a.m., at New York State Supreme Court, 111 Center Street in Manhattan, room 733. We're asking that until Marr and Brown stand trial, both of us remain out of public circulation, that the DA send the message to would-be haters by requesting the full measure of punishment for what could have been a horrific anti-Semitic crime. January 31st, New York State Supreme Court, Center Street in Manhattan, room 733. Any details you need, just feel free to email us here, Nahum at NahumSiegel.com. Malcolm Holmline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good to be with you. It would be nice to get people more and more active uh, when it comes to uh, getting out there and uh, going to hearings like I just described and taking to the streets when uh, when justice is uh, is needed to be served. It would be nice if our community responds even greater than they normally respond at these times, right? 100%. And, and bringing the message directly to those responsible and letting them know in responsible ways that they'll be held to account and that we will you know, measure those who, who the judges, the everybody who's involved, the district attorneys in particular, who, you know, have this revolving door justice system that applies not just to our community, but particularly in terms of anti-Semitic incidents where a rap on the wrist seems to be everything, and, and in some cases, not even that, that the only way we'll get change is when people make their voices heard, whether it's at the ballot box whether it's in public protests and articles and and uh, exercising their rights as an American. It's not special treatment. This is what the justice system should be providing. I hope everybody out there heard what you just said and internalized it. Uh, today is Holocaust Remembrance Day in the Ukraine. Uh, the leader of Ukraine, uh, Prime Minister uh, President Zelensky, uh, marked the Holocaust Remembrance Day at Babi Yar. Um, we have been informed and we spoke with someone from Yad Vashem this week that there's an exhibit at the United Nations, the Book of Names, courtesy of Yad Vashem, which is now on display free of charge until February the 17th. In general, the UN, I think you would agree, has taken Holocaust Remembrance Day pretty seriously. Uh, What are your thoughts? No deep philosophical things. I'm not looking for that. Just isn't it curious how the UN, you know, accommodates itself when it comes to things like Holocaust Remembrance Day, the exhibit that I just described from Yad Vashem, yet it's the same entity that is on the front lines of the war against Israel? Unfortunately, again, we're talking about uh, something that seems to be a syndrome, 
where the world is very good at mourning dead Jews. Their problem is with living Jews. And while I believe very strongly in Holocaust education, reminding the world about it, we see in the Arab world now it being introduced in Morocco and Egypt, even Saudi Arabia, UAE, are having uh, Holocaust commemorations and putting the Holocaust in their textbooks, not in places like the Palestinian Authority, where they continue to uh, to denigrate the Holocaust. And uh, as you know, Abbas who's now, I think, in his 15th, 17th year of his four-year term, uh, wrote his doctoral thesis, uh, uh, which was a Holocaust denial thesis. So the the fact that uh, the world and that so many people who don't stand up for Israel and for Jews, but are very good at joining in Holocaust memorials because it's lip service on their part, not sincerity. Yeah. And we have to demand of them that, well, we want them to remember and that we have an obligation to remember that never again has to be a pledge that we all take, not a, just a hollow phrase and to, to have, you know, not serious commemorations. The Holocaust book at the, the, the Book of Names at the UN is very important. The other many of the commemorations are important in educating a generation. But the studies recently show, even done recently, show that the vast majority of young Americans can't identify basic facts about the Holocaust. They don't know that 6 million died. They don't know what Auschwitz is. They can't really tell you the, the facts and the, the level of denial or people who doubt the, the veracity of the facts about the Holocaust increases year by year. And unfortunately, even in our own community, young people know too little about the Holocaust. And, and the lessons that we learn and how you, you have to confront evil and hatred and especially anti-Semitism in its most manifest forms right away at the beginning or else you let it, that cancer grow. And often when there's a... Um uh, when there's an effort to annihilate a people to, uh, I mean, you, you see what goes on e even today. If we uh, if we look carefully around the world, what's happening with certain groups who are living under uh, tyrannical rule. Uh, usually the entity uh, does not make it publicly known that they'd like to annihilate them and completely wipe them out. I wish our community and certainly others around the around this country would at least be teaching our children and their children that there was literally an effort that was made public that was, nobody was nobody was quiet or or uh, or uh, uh, you know it, 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 uh, keeping it a secret openly. You know, Hitler went ahead and said, "This is the plan. This is what I want to do." And you know, and I think that that's such an important element. It's not just the the statistics and the and the stories, which of course are vital, but it's also that people need to realize, and the young people especially, that there was literally a publicly known, publicly declared effort. This is our intention to destroy the Jewish people, and I think that's a very important element that gets forgotten. The dictators and, and haters tell you what they want to do. Look how many people, the Fuentes and the others uh, around, who, who, who openly declare their intention. And it, it's true in Europe, it's true in the United States, it's true globally. When Iran says that they're going to wipe the, the Jewish state off the map, when they engage in the kind of an, a Holocaust mocking, they have a, a national contest uh, with the cartoons. When you hear what they have to say, take it seriously. They mean it. Yeah. And they're seeking the means to be able to implement it. And thank God so far they have not been able to. But 
look at the, at the coalition now between Russia, China, Iran. You see the, that Iran making common cause on the Internet with the most vicious anti-Semitism and anti-Semitic groups and being responsible for thousands of hateful sites, that the Internet has totally changed the war against anti-Semitism because they have platforms that can reach countless people anonymously. And for every site that gets closed, many more are open. And in Sweden, we saw the threat to burn a Sefer Torah because some guy, not Jewish, burned the Koran, and it was outrageous and, sh and not acceptable that that was, took place, but then threatened to burn a Sefer Torah. Now they have backed off because Israel intervened with the Swedish government and with others. But the the fact is that, that the, the threats are very open. The intention is made very clear. Now the question is, how do you respond to it? Yeah, 100%. By the way, small thing, but you mentioned the Palestinians before. I'm just curious. I mean, what Rashida Tlaib did in putting the Palestinian flag outside her office, she's not, she's not breaking any laws. I'm assuming that member of Congress can do whatever they want as long as within reason at their office, right, especially if she's showing solidarity. But, I mean, obviously it's a statement, but, I mean, legally I assume it's fine, right? I assume so, but there are rules and etiquette in, in the Congress that govern behavior. I mean, I wonder if... Uh, 25 members of Congress put Israeli flags outside their offices. Right, good point. How she would respond. But what we should do is get the members of Congress who are offices are adjacent to hers. Right. And I just thought of it to put an Israeli flag outside so that every time she walks by, she has to see it. <laughs> it would certainly be a good uh, strategy, that's for sure. Uh, all right, tell us about, I mean, obviously, two major stories in Israel regarding security. Let's start with the one uh, in terms of Gaza. Tell us about the rockets from Gaza. Gaza this week and what the Israeli response has been. So the rockets uh, from Gaza follow the actions that Israel took in um, dealing with uh, terrorist groups and, and preventing an imminent attack and a major one, which included bombs. And um, they, they went into Janine, not because they wanted to and not on a fishing expedition, but because they had really specific information, they knew the house, they knew everything, and they went in and they met resistance and the the armed resistance, obviously. Uh, and so a number of terrorists were were neutralized, as they say. Uh, there are accusations about the civilians, and so far nobody has proven who who did it to them. And we know that in the past uh, there were questionable accusations made, uh, you know, that Israeli troops who act with great care. And if you look at the movies, you see how carefully executed this um, uh, operation was. Uh, but it was necessary because letting it go would have meant that that people would have died and it was an attack in Yerushalayim planned. And we know from previous attacks that uh, that they mean it and they're ready to do it. And the response then came, of course, since it was anticipated. Uh, this was mostly Palestinian Islamic Jihad terrorists, but also Hamas. And they want to show that they're the champions uh, and therefore engaged in the firing of some rockets. Uh, they were taken down by Iron Dome, and Israel retaliated against the rocket-making factory, uh, something they could do every day because they open up new ones, and they continue to sustain them at the expense of the people of Gaza. And there's a series of movies that have come out, films, which expose what life is like in, in Gaza and the anti-Hamas feeling and the resentment against Hamas that exists in Gaza, and I suggest everybody uh, see it. That the, um, but you see how quickly the world jumps to condemn. I was listening to BBC's 
report, and they had on um, Mrs. Zavonj Cutler, who was a former member of Knesset, who said, well, what are you talking about? This is Israel's responding. They're doing what a state must do. Obviously, they were very annoyed at her response and had on quickly other people who made condemnatory uh, statements. So this was, um, you know, we, we see that the terrorism continues. It, it's fueled by uh, Iran, who supports these uh, organizations, and Hamas is recruiting more and more in uh, Judea and Samaria in the West Bank, and uh, Hezbollah supposedly recruited 9,000 people. So this is um, not something that's going to end uh, quickly. The point now is to try to dampen it down and, and uh, the PA announced that they are no longer in, going to engage in cooperation with Israel's security forces. The truth is that Israel's security forces are doing their work. I mean, this is talking about cutting off your nose despite your face to say that they're going <laughs> to stop the cooperation when all of this really does more to, to save the PA and from its responsibilities in dealing, confronting uh, the terrorism that uh, is allowed to, to thrive. Do they hinder Israel? Do they hinder Israel's uh, attempts? Like in Janine, uh, do they become an obstacle to Israel? I think. I think. Then, did they not hinder it? I think they often, you know, tip off Israelis so that Israel should react because they won't. But but they know that it's a threat to them too, and and the growing resentment against the PA, which is in very high numbers, according to every study that is done of public opinion there, that, um, you know, it serves their purpose. We'd be amazed at how Israel obtains all this intelligence information, huh? Everybody takes it for granted. You know, I was thinking about it, what it must take to get it. And you need to be on the ground. You need human resources. You need, you know, cameras, drones, everything that, that works to, to be able to, to trace it. But to know one building, who the individuals are, et cetera, to be able to take them out. And God knows how many lives were saved by cause, because of it. And I painted it as two security situations. They're not two. They're completely interwoven. They're completely interrelated. I mean, meaning Janine and Gaza, as we, you know, as we observe what's happening. Absolutely. And, and of course, Hamas wants to show that it's the, the great defender and out front on this and shooting rockets, often thinking they can do it with impunity. And they don't care if their people get hurt. This is a double war crime. You, you shoot at civilian populations and you shoot from within a civilian population to draw fire on them. And to to place their rockets and launchers, et cetera, within civilian populations near schools, mosques, et cetera, that, that's a war crime by the definite by legal definition. Yeah, understood. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and NachumSegal.com, and the NachumSegal Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. All right, tell us the latest regarding the Israeli government. I uh, I saw the Prime Minister, uh, in fact. Um, uh, heeded the uh, directive of the uh, judiciary and fired Aryeh Derry as a minister. So that's done. What's the fallout? What's the aftermath of that whole episode? Well, it was anticipated. I don't think that there's much fallout. He's, um, Aryeh Derry will remain head of Shas, and whether he chairs a committee in Knesset or has some other responsibility, uh, I think he wasn't calling for a um, for reaction to it. It was a judgment of the court. Um, the, the issue of the judicial reform obviously has taken precedence over, over virtually everything else. And you've had the large demonstrations to focus on this as well as other proposed uh, measures. 
which I again say will not happen in the way that people, uh, the media is purporting to do it, but to say that this is the death of democracy, a challenge to democracy. I have to say that I think the administration, the U.S. administration has been very um, moderate and, and uh, in its approach to it and <laughs> giving Israel a chance and saying that, you know, the demonstrations prove what a democracy it is. You know, in the, in the other countries in the world, you wouldn't have 100,000 people gathering in the street to protest against the decision without any consequence, without any punishment. You see that in in, in Iran, they've ex- they're executing more and more people, arresting more and more, tens of thousands in prison, score facing death sentence, uh, public execution, 600 killed last year in the executions, uh, and uh, the world hardly uh, reacts to it. And here in Israel, you have uh, you know, and and the kind of disproportionate and distorted attention that it got. People could disagree with it. I think there's legitimate grounds to have concerns. But I think even the people on the left in the past have criticized the activist uh, Supreme Court, and many legal scholars have been writing about it, and others uh, after the initial thrust of you know the threats and what it means to see say that you know there should be, but it should be more modified and more moderate. I think there's too many public statements, too much said uh, often from ministers and, and saying things that, that fuel the, the fire. But, you know, what's really amazing to me is, do you know what Juniper Oak is? No. Juniper Oak. Right. And you're one of the most informed people that I know. <laughs> and I asked, I asked yesterday, maybe five, six people, I was in Washington, and people, you know, who are with us who are well-informed. Juniper Oak is the biggest exercise Ever in history between the United States and Israel, 6,000 American troops, 500 of them in Israel, the rest on 12 naval flotillas, the USS George Herbert Walker Bush aircraft carrier, and its whole group is there. There were 142 aircraft involved. The United States flew B-52 bombers from the United States to participate in, in this. The, the satellite technology being used and they did joint runs between the United States and Israeli pilots, exercising, but not, but in very practical terms with specific targets as a message to to the region. One to Iran, that not only does Israel, the United States has the capability, and will work with Israel, and together they they are a very formidable force, not to be dismissed. That the United States is committed to the region and has the resources despite Ukraine and other things, even though they're drawing down, you know, some of the reserves that are held in Israel, but they're American. It's American equipment. It's just prepositioned in different places in the world. We have a munition shortage, but they showed with this that they can meet any challenge and especially working with Israel and hopefully with other countries in the region. But to those countries, it was a very decisive message that they don't have to be intimidated by Iran, that the, that the United States and its, its best ally, Israel, are there and have immense capabilities with satellite, with very advanced equipment that was being used, some of which they can't discuss publicly. And the, uh, you know, the constant threats and the alliance that is, I mentioned, you know, the Russian-Ukrainian alliance, the Russian, I mean, Russian-Iranian alliance in Ukraine, and the extension with China and the, the other, some other marginal countries. Um, so but the, it's amazing to me, nobody, hardly any mention in the media of this massive historic event, 
And yet any criticism, the slightest criticism, will make the front page. So there's tremendous, as you just described, tremendous cooperation militarily and in terms of intelligence. But diplomatically, it seems that we just don't have the same level of cooperation. Uh, the I, NFL, I would I would not agree with that. Even I, with I, even I, with JCPOA, even with uh, not even with the public criticism of Israel when they have to you know uh, when they have to retaliate after these rocket attacks from Gaza, it, it just doesn't seem like they're on the same page as they are militarily. So, I mean, there there are this is a complicated question because you have to take each thing and analyze it separately. For one thing. The United States' comments, I think, were by and large pretty uh, sensitive, and they, even the ambassador Nides expressed concern. And I think sometimes, uh, you know, ambassadors go too far in what they what they say. And the, the message that we heard yesterday from administration people is they get the idea that that they have to work, and when their criticisms to express them directly, and that the, yeah, you had the visit of Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, this week. The Secretary of State is going. I think BB will come here. There is a long relationship between the president and Netanyahu, goes back 40 years, and uh, there are many aspects to it. I agree that there were administrations, the past administration, that was much more open and pulled out of JCPOA. They try to revive it, but now they say it's dead. The Iranian actions in the Ukraine in the, against its own people, the executions, right now it's it's not uh, on. It's not off the table, but it's not on the table. It's not on the agenda. Uh, for now, and you see that the statements, sanctions, not what we would have always liked. The Europeans introduced sanctions, but they couldn't get themselves to um, to really uh, isolate the IRGC and declare it a terrorist organization, even though European Assembly did vote that. They 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 succumbed again to the threats from Iran of retaliation if if they did it, and Iran is engaging in, the, in terrorist activities in the country. So it's not going to uh, make a significant difference uh, if they, um, but it would be a very powerful message were they to sanction uh, the IRGC, something the United States has done. Um, so, but you, just you know, just... on Iran, on Iran, I, I just say that on Iran, the United States and Israel are pretty close right now on positions. We, of course, wanted to see more earlier. We did not want to see the, the negotiations on the JCPOA because it just would have rewarded an Iran that is getting closer to 90 percent enrichment um, and with stockpiles way beyond what they're supposed to have, violating every uh, aspect of it. We don't. We, we see support now for the Abraham Accords. The, the uh, Negev Seven Forum that took place in in Abu Dhabi was very successful. There are there is progress on some fronts, but of course it 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 um, they don't have the some of the the tone and tenor and some of the actions that we saw during the previous administration. But I think the we have to look at it in its totality. I get it, and I understand that we have to look at it in its totality, but. If, in fact, Juniper Oak, as you described it, it, one of its byproducts is to show the enemy or to show others, rogue uh, governments around the world, that you know Israel and the United States are cooperating and no one's ever going to be able to combat the combined forces of the United States and Israel militarily and intelligence-wise, why don't we get the same pass or why don't we get the same type of luxury when it comes to diplomacy? Why is it that Iran has to see that, oh, if Israel goes ahead and retaliates, for rocket attacks from Gaza, they're going to be condemned by the international community led by Washington. Why can't it be that when Israel goes ahead and does that, they know that the United States
States has its back, and Iran says, oh my gosh, even diplomatically, we can't go ahead and, and, and win this victory. I mean, if Israel hypothetically would attack Iran, uh, I don't know if the United States would remain silent, would condemn it. Maybe they would support it. Who knows? But there's no guarantee the way they're behaving diplomatically. I mean, there are things that I would like to see be said that aren't said, and that the but the United States does not condemn, didn't vote to condemn Israel in the United Nations. They did not join the chorus. They talk about it in in, uh, in in as opposed to most of the other countries, including quote European allies, who uh, who have not stood up. And, and the um, if you look at the votes in the UN, it's still the overwhelming majority. But it's not fair to say the United States did. I think uh, we would like to see many more things being done and more actions being taken. But you have to to you know have the record clear on this. And, you know, when the United States stands up, it's often alone. You, you don't see uh, the French and the British and some of the others now uh, standing up all the time in the ways that they should. And some others, like Australia or other, being critical. Um, so the, um, I think that the, the message about where the United States and Israel and that the visits are meant to convey a message that the United States and Israel still work together, still cooperating um we would like to see stronger sanctions directly applied in Iran and and the stopping the export you know the oil exports have brought them more money than they had last year in exports but it's because the price of oil went up and because there a lot of Russia's exports are going through Iran because they want to bypass uh, the sanctions so there's there's um I mean, it's also complicated because there's so many uh, efforts, and you have people then within the administration, one in particular who who was hell bent on doing the JCPOA and kept trying to, and backdoor diplomacy, but it's not right now. It does not appear to be uh, happening, and that they publicly declare that it's not on the agenda. Right, your um, report about the Washington view of the JCPOA right now is probably different than what Washington has said publicly about it. Right, you're saying to us that it's basically dead. I don't know if Washington's ever really said that, have they? Yes, have they, they said they, it publicly? I, I heard it yesterday from leaders. But, in but not in a private, but not in a private setting. You said you've heard it on the record. You heard it. Yes, they said that there's no nothing happening right now, and that it's not on the agenda. And the president said it. It's not on. Agenda. And and again, I, I'm not saying we buy it each time that a statement is made because we know that there are people who were behind the scenes working, and and I heard from Iranian sources that talks were were still ongoing. They are not now. And and it's impossible when what what with Iran's I'm not saying that it wasn't because people didn't want it, but with Iran's actions in the Ukraine with in Ukraine and uh, Iran's domestic uh, stands and its massive violations of human rights and executions and all of that, how could they sit? Uh, they can't even even if they would want to, they can't. No, but what worries me, and I can't imagine it doesn't worry you, is that even though again in these meetings you're saying it's dead, still they're enriching, they're they're advancing, they're building. They're you know, in other words, it's no. The, I'm saying the negotiations. No, 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 Iran's that, program is more aggressive no, than ever. That I know, but it must worry you that as we're as we're sitting in Washington, you're hearing uh, it's dead. It's dead. It must worry you that yeah, but all this activity continues to go on over there. Of course, I'm worried about it every day, and I deal with it, and we address it, and we try to. Get, and members of Congress and others 
uh, are adopting new legislation. There are new sanctions that are being imposed. Like I keep They're not fo- necessarily the sanctions we we would like to see the more extreme uh, sanctions. Like I keep focusing on whether the deal is dead. To a degree, it's irrelevant. They keep doing what they're doing. Who cares about the deal? Like you know what I'm saying? Like I I, I myself and others, you know, we're so sensitive about the deal, the deal, the deal. We forget that the enemy is still continuing to arm itself. You know. Yeah, but the deal would have provided them with right, countless yeah. billions of dollars, right. and still significant in that it would it would welcome them back into, and which the Europeans would be would jump all over the opportunity to bring them back into the dialogue, and you know because they have this uh, utopian vision of what of what the discussions. When we know that all along the Iranians were violating it, right. and I discussed it on the show, and oh, couldn't yeah. be more clear about the position on it, yep. and supporting the the demonstrations, which do continue even though they get very little coverage you know the maybe the woke media doesn't feel that it's important but they they you know they were very excited because initially it was the women and and the the demonstrations but we see the plot they just uh, uncovered in Georgia where they were going to try to kill some Israelis they're behind so much of the uh, terrorism um, them, their activities in Syria they're talking about putting air defense batteries there which would be very serious for Israel in terms of carrying out its um, uh, its operations. The, um, uh, the, the they they made them the, they are raising the price of oil they sell to Syria. They doubled the price and cut the amount, and they're closing uh, some of their uh, bases and some of their operations because their ec- economic conditions are terrible. The people are suffering. The, you know the real, and we've talked in the past about it, uh, the real, which is the currency of Iran, is now 447000 to the dollar. Wow. You talk about taking wheelbarrows of money, and since the demonstration starting in September, is down 30% more. And yet the people are willing to put up with and continue the demonstrations and to stand against the government, which they know is denying them their rights, and uh, hopefully Russia will not sell the, the Sukhoi jets and that the United States and others are, go- are going to put maximum pressure on. And if necessary, make sure that those planes never reach uh, uh, Iran because that will upgrade them. As you know, they, many of their planes are from the 1970s. They don't have spare parts for the planes. They, um, uh, they're, they're, that's why they use the drone so heavily. And if you see then when they do the drone attacks, the Russians in, in, in Ukraine, they, they take down about 60, 70% are shot down because they're, they're lumbering, they're big, uh, and only a few actually reach the, their targets. Mm. And yet they said, by the way, they threaten the United States openly because it's the third anniversary of the killing of Soleimani, right. who was ahead of their killing operations and never been replaced. So when people say, oh, if you kill one guy, then they replace him. It's not true. They cannot uh, replace him. But they had and they had these national commemorations of his life and talked very openly about the void that it left uh, for them. Uh, he remember he was killed in Baghdad by, by various means. Yeah, the... <laughs> I like how you say that. The Israelis, and of course, I would have to include the Americans as well, they know who needs to be taken out. Call a vote to them. By the way, the Blinken, Secretary of State Blinken, trip to Israel is next week, right? Yes. And uh, what? Can, and finally, what's happening in Turkey? Is Erdogan running for re-election? That, so they announced early elections, and he is re- running. Uh, he just got, he's running scared. Uh, you know, he they lost elections in Istanbul and Ankara, which are two main cities. So he is uh, starting his campaign, and um, 
and some people say that's part of reasons you know he's been much more favorable and to Israel and in our last meeting with him uh, not long ago he, I told him it was boring because we had no no fights this time uh, but but we still have plenty of issues with him Hamas still operates there and you know Turkey is um, very active in, in Syria and other places um, and in some sense also with uh, with Russia even though they have vast differences and tensions but um, they you know they they exploit any position for a common cause and the uh, but they did not live up to the promise of removing Hamas. They claim Hamas has no offices and operations, uh, open operations that they're just the people living there, but in in, uh, in Turkey, and that's an issue that we monitor and and discuss all the time. And this is what in May, right? Has a oh, it's actually it's more than three months it's down the road. This is going to be yeah. it's going to be quite a long campaign. It's not a long campaign. American campaigns, we're, we're campaigning already for two years from now. <laughs> it's a short campaign. No, that's a good point. But uh, I, I don't know. It, it, for, and I, I just assume, and I, I don't even know why I assume this, uh, but I just assume that he's uh, in a position where, where um, how, do, how do I put this, that the, the elections in his country are not exactly on the up and up. I have no reason to assume that, right? I mean, Turkey. Right. But but he has they they do have he has real challenges. Number one, the economy, like the the Iranian economy, the currency is a fraction of what it was worth before. People are feeling the economic uh, pressure. They uh, don't necessarily support all the adventurism and the positions that uh, that he's taken. You have the problem with the Kurds and the domestic population. You have uh, the his. uh, So it's the economic conditions, the social conditions and the political uh, array right now um, would certainly make him worry. It's true that uh, people say that the you know whether elections are fair or not, but we know that the elections in Ankara and others places, major cities um, turned candidates won who were opposed to to Erdogan. Right. So the votes count. Yeah, and we'll see if he can survive this one. Uh, Malcolm, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week. I willing. Malcolm Honline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, with us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time, with a weekly update here at JM in the AM. Candlelighting, 4.47 in New York City on this Arab Shabbos Parshas bow. That's 4.47 candlelighting time. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, New York is 4.47. This, whoa, this portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Enjoy a 10% discount on all Abel's and Hyman products at kosherdogs.net with promo code radio. A&H has been serving the kosher world since 1954, and A&H products are available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. Um... What do we have? Oh, listener Morris is in San Antonio. I'm telling you. The global entity of this broadcast is amazing. San Antonio, Texas tuned in this morning. Thank you, listener Morris. Much appreciated, to say the least. Someone asked for the uh, for the um, name for Rafur Shlema that we mentioned earlier. We mentioned our dear friend, Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava. Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava, Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava, and your help greatly appreciated. Let's keep her in mind all through Shabbos and uh, continue to pray for her speedy, speedy recovery. I hear she's doing great. She should continue on the road to a very, very full and speedy recovery.
Uh, and feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Mentioned earlier, if you saw the Facebook post, a wonderful development in our rebuild effort, a major, major step yesterday. Uh, if you look at the picture on Facebook, that is what it looks like from the street. As I wrote, after 10 months later, there is life in our New York City studio, Baruch Hashem. And uh, 10 months later, the fire literally was March 27th, so it's literally 10 months later. Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Hodul Hashem Kitov. We're able to, uh, to say we've gotten to this stage. Uh, I thank all of you, our listeners, our supporters, our friends, our encouragers, everybody who has been so amazing uh, during a time where I did not think we'd get to this point. And Baruch Hashem, we are now at this point, and it's an amazing feeling. Kosher Halftime Show 2023, presented by the Rothenberg Law Firm, InjuryLawyer.com. Thank you to the Rothenbergs. Yesterday, we filmed the Kosher Halftime Show. It is the long-awaited, much-anticipated conversation between me and Yerachmiel Begun in, the, uh, in lieu of the uh, incredible viral nature of uh, the Miami Boys Choir the, as they went viral on uh, TikTok this past September. Uh, he has not spoken to any media outlet about it. He has uh, decided to speak to us, and that will be shown February the 12th at halftime uh, during the big game. A big thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm and all of our sponsors. We are getting ready for Kosher Halftime Show 2023, a much-anticipated, long-awaited conversation. Yerachmiel Begun, the leader of the Miami Boys Choir, on the subject of the viral nature of the whole TikTok episode. Uh, we'll have it for you exclusively here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, each and every Friday morning, uh, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nahum. Good morning, Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Bo. Parshas Bo is such an exciting parsha. Number one, as the Chinuch tells us, we have 20 mitzvot in this week's parsha, nine positive and 11 restrictions. And this is the parsha that, as the Torah tells us, the Pasuk right before Shavi, and it was Be'etzem Hayom Hazer, on that very day, the 15th day of the first month, that of Nisan, Hotzi Hashem is B'nai Yisrael Meyeretz Mitzrayim. Hashem took the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, Al Siv Osam, in their legions. Wow. This is the parsha of Hashem fulfilling his word to Avraham. He said to Avraham that they're going to be strangers, enslaved, oppressed in a land which is not theirs. That happened. Afterwards, Yitzuber Chushkado, that happens. And Gamis Agoy Asher Yavodu, also the nation that persecutes them, Don Anochi, Hashem says, I will judge, meaning I will punish. That happens as well. Now, I'd like to focus on an interesting aspect of Yitzias Mitzrayim which only happened once in Jewish history. And that is the 
Torah tells us that there is a mitzvah to bring the Korban Pesach. This mitzvah, we know, we had as long as we were privileged to have the first and second base of Migdash, and Emir Tzashem, when we have the third, we will have the actual offering and eating of the Korban Pesach, the Paschal Lamb. However, in Mitzrayim, it was not sufficient for them to simply slaughter the Korban Pesach on Erev Pesach in the afternoon, but as the Torah tells us in chapter 12, verse 6, that the lamb, the sheep, was to be for you, for safekeeping, it was to be designated on the 10th day of the month, and it was to be, as we know from our rabbis, tied to their bedposts for many different reasons, including the fact that the Egyptians would hear their God basically bleeding or crying throughout and being restricted, and they were powerless to help it. It also was powerless to help itself. This was all a part of the very important lesson to the Jewish people to uproot the belief in the Egyptian deity, in the Egyptian religion, and it was a form of punishment to the Egyptians. So now the Torah says, it shall be for you, for the Mishmeris, for you to watch it till the 14th day, and then it is to be slaughtered. Now the question is, why? So Rashi brings on this spot the teachings of Rabbi Masya ben Chorosh. And Rashi explains why is it that we have here the designating it of four days in advance. Mashalot Siva came the Pesach Doros, a part which is not included concerning the Korban Pesach for all future generations. So Rav Masya ben Chorosh answers in the following way that Hashem saw that this was the time for the Jewish people to be redeemed. However, what they were lacking at that time were commandments, mitzvos, with which they should busy themselves in order that they should be worthy of being redeemed. And to substantiate this, we quote the Psukim from Yechezkel, chapter 16, which we recount as well on the night of the Pesach Seder as part of the Haggadah. As the Pesach says, Va'at, a Rome, the area, you, at that time, in Egypt, were bare and naked, meaning 
without mitzvos, and therefore, Rashi continues, Nosan Lohem, Hashem gave the Jewish people two commandments, Dam Pesach, the blood of the Korban Pesach, and the blood of circumcision. Now, the rabbis tell us, and we know, that the Jewish people, the males, had to circumcise themselves prior to their leaving of Egypt. The question is, when was the circumcision done? And some say that because there was this four-day period prior to the actual slaughter, it was done on the 10th, and therefore three days is when it's most painful afterwards, and after that we were ready to leave Egypt relatively pain-free. So now we have two mitzvahs, that of the blood of the Korban Pesach, which was placed on their door, and on the lentil, on the door frame, and the, that of Korban, that of Brismila, as the Pasuk says, that you were misposeses bidonoit mayach, you were wallowing in your bloods, these two bloods, and therefore, as a result of this, Hashem was able to take them out, their having performed mitzvot. Now, I'd like to ask a very basic question. We definitely find, as the Ramban tells us at the end of the parasha, very long and important Ramban. The Ramban says that why did God have to bring the miracles in Egypt? He says because, unfortunately, man's belief in God had become weakened significantly. And therefore, in order to demonstrate without any question that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one who is mashkiach, supervises, and is in control of what's happening here on this earth, that he didn't leave anything to chance. What does it say in regarding the various makos? One, Ani Hashem I am Hashem who's there in the midst of the land. Not just that I created the world and I let it be without any control. No, I am the one who is running the show. And, as it says further, meaning that there's chidosh. Hashem constantly renews nature and does with nature as He sees fit. And, finally, that there's none like Hashem. So if it's clear that the Jewish people had strong emuna, strong faith in Hashem, why wasn't that sufficient for them to be able to leave Mitzrayim? Why did they need mitzvos? And with that, I'd like to bring us to a very important point, which we find in the Chinuch on mitzvah number 16, whereby the Torah tells us that lo lishbor etzem mena pesach, one of the laws 
regarding the Korban Pesach was that we were not to break a bone. On the surface, the Chinuch explains the reason for this mitzvah is that we should know that the Jewish people were taken not just from slavery to freedom, which would have been, quote, Dayenu. However, we were taken from slavery, from Avdus, to aristocracy, to royalty, to Malchus. And it is not the nature of kings to break, or princes, to break the bones of a lamb chap in order to try to suck out all the marrow that's found therein. They have an unlimited supply, and they need not uh, suck the bone, as only the poor people might do. So tonight, we relive the fact that we are aristocracy. Therefore, we have this law of not breaking a bone. But in that mitzvah continues the Chinuch, and he says to his son, to whom the book is dedicated, why, you might ask, are there so many mitzvos to help us zecher litzias mitzrayim? And he answers by saying the very powerful line, da, you should know, ki adam nif'al kefi pu'ulosav, man is formed. Man is made into his character is determined by his actions, not by his beliefs only. The beliefs are important, but the idea is what he does, achareya pu'ulos, after the actions, nimshachim halavavos. And therefore, even if a person's thoughts are negative, but he does positive actions, the positive actions are going to create the positive individual. And if a person, unfortunately, the opposite, does not have positive actions, even if he might have positive thoughts, but his actions are negative, it's going to have that negative effect upon him. As the Ramban tells us by the Akedah, Hashem knew that Avram Avinu would certainly perform the Akedah. Why put him through it? And the answer says the Ramban that it's not enough for Avram to have a lave tov. He wanted that the thoughts of man should be brought to action, that there should be minakoach el from the potential it should be actualized. The idea behind this very important Rashi, that we needed the two mitzvos, is to teach us the importance of mitzvos. We dare not allow our mitzvos to become simply actions that we do by rote, I did it yesterday, I did it the day before, I did it last year, I did it the year before, but rather, as the Nefesh HaChayim of Chayim Volojana says in chapter 3 of Sha'ar Aleph, you should know that man was given mitzvos, and listen to what he says 
very clearly, his shlito, as a result of the, our performing of mitzvos, God has put man in an influential state over kochos v'olamos ein mispar. What does that mean? It means that our actions have an effect upon literally that which transpires in this world. We might not see it, we might not understand it, but know that our performance of mitzvos, which are literally l'malo which means that we're not doing the mitzvos because man thinks that they should be done, that man reasons that they should be done. We do it because Asher Kitshonu the mitzvos of. He sanctified us with his mitzvos. We are doing it because God says so. Whoa, this is that which has an effect upon our doing that which God said, which is Lamalamarateva, which is beyond the norm for man to do, enables God to act with us, Lamalamarateva. This Rashi, chapter 12, verse 6, teaches us, not just then, in order to leave Mitzrayim, but throughout the generations. And right now, today, our performance of mitzvos is what is going to bring, please God, the Geula Bimheira Biyamenu. Shabbat Shalom to all.
behind and look up. Don't be afraid to put it away. Life is worth more than a picture could say. All of the best things can't be erased. They're yours forever. It's uh, eighth day with Look Up. Before that, brand new Tzvi Silverstein off Shire Pinchas, volume number five, which just came out. Song is called Vishamru here at JM in the AM. Friday morning broadcast on the 27th of January, day number five in the month of Shvat. Candle lighting in New York, 447 again. That's 447. Make sure you know when things start where you are. I, uh, again, want to thank everybody, those uh, friends, sponsors, supporters, Listeners, everybody who stood by my side uh, as we went through the situation of the last 10 months. Those of you who saw the Facebook post on my profile earlier this morning, you saw that uh, there is life in our New York City studio, which is on the verge of being completed. Not that it's ever completed. It's always a work in progress, but you get my point. And um, that is uh, something we couldn't have done without you, and that's something that, uh, honestly, 10 months ago was very, very hard to believe during this entire process after the terrible tragedy for us on March the 27th of last year. So here we are on January the 27th with a big thank you to the one above and a big thank you to all of you for getting us to this point. We should continue to grow our physical global entity the same way we've grown our virtual global entity here at the Nahum Siegel Network. I do remind you that uh, coming up on the 12th of February, the Kosher Halftime Show 2023, the 10th annual edition, is going to be presented by the Rothenberg Law Firm, InjuryLawyer.com, and we thank the Rothenberg family. In addition, 
Uh, it's going to feature the long-awaited, much-anticipated conversation with Yerachmiel Begun. It'll be the first time that he gives a full-length interview regarding the viral nature of the uh, whole TikTok episode that happened with the Miami Boys Choir a few months ago. We speak with him. It's going to happen on the 12th of February. We actually recorded the conversation yesterday. Uh, a whole bunch of stuff is being done to make it a really, really nice production, and we will have all that for you on the 12th of February during halftime of the big game. I certainly hope that you'll be tuned in. A lot of people are very anxious to hear what he has to say regarding the um, uh, viral episode on TikTok of the Miami Boys Choir. More coming up Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, JM in the AM. Wake me up, it's time to go. Been down this road before and I know There's danger up ahead Recalculate and turn around I'm heading home, I'm homeward bound No, I'm not gonna walk that path no more I know, I know it's not too late No, my past won't seal my fate You'll be there With arms wide open No matter what I've done wrong no matter how long I've been gone, you'll be there to let me back in. Feel she seen on my shore. Um, I'll be so Find my way back home 
Solomon Brothers and Yishai Rebo. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos here at JM in the AM. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM.
brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Round the world, the web at NachumSingle.com, on the NachumSingle Network, and of course, the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing morning, and of course, an incredible week here at JM and the AM. Thanks so much for tuning in. Naomi Nachman, brand new, table for two coming up next with a whole bunch of great guests. It's her show from Bahrain. How do you like that? That's right. Table for two coming to you from Bahrain, a show that Naomi prepared and uh, has some pretty amazing guests. That's next. Mark Zamek in the Arab Shabbos show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Starts at 10 a.m. Eastern time tomorrow night. It's Saturday night. Siegel with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler. Don't forget Sunday. Matis has JM Sunday. And this coming Sunday, he'll interview Hasidic hipster girl. Sarah Gig is Matis's guest Sunday morning on JM Sunday right here at the Nahum Single Network. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend, everybody. Until next week, Nahum Single reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.